Listen, I know this McAfee guy is famous, and I'm sure he has wonderful antivirus software. But I mean, where is this going to end? We're going to have Steve Norton or Dave Firefox come out in the upcoming weeks to fight the Undisputed Era? I mean, it's ridiculous. Kevin, it's, well, he's not, uh, you know what, it, that's fine. This and more coming up on the Miss Spots podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, it's, it's the It's time to play the game. Time to play the game. <laughs> I actually uh, received word that uh, Dan Avast will be showing up uh, next week. Uh, I like to, that you mentioned something. I don't even know what that is. Oh, it's a it's a antivirus software. Oh, there was another antivirus software. I should have used that. <laughs> Screw it. I thought Firefox sounded more ridiculous. Uh, so, Mike, we watched NXT this week. We did. We both did. Yes. Because two weeks ago, we, you we did. We planned this. Yeah, you did. Well, technically, we planned the one two weeks ago as well. I just didn't <laughs> Ignored get that the plan. memo. Uh, so, and obviously, we didn't talk about NXT from the week before because we were watching AEW. And usually, we do a little bit of a recap and talk. Blah, 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 blah. Uh, I have a little theme for my side of this talking about NXT. It's called... Kevin's got questions. Okay. And I have at least one burning question from every segment or match. I'm not sure if that's true, but I believe that I do, and I'm going to see if I can. But before that, because I think this is going to be interesting, uh, is there anything that you want to mention from like the week before last week's NXT? Uh, I, I never got a chance to watch it. I know that we talked a little huh. bit about the... Uh, the results of it while we were recording, I was reading them off while we were recording and right. uh, we had uh, the news of Dexter Loomis being out of the match and what they were doing uh, for second chance matches and, and all of the, the likes, but uh, uh, I, I've been a little busy lately, so I haven't had a chance to watch huh. it with what I, I did this thing uh, <laughs> that, that, Required uh, rings and ah. uh, and uh, vows and such. Be a beautiful, beautiful ceremony, my friend. Thank you. Uh, so yeah, so I, the only things I had were were things that refer to things that happened this week. So, do you want to just get into running down the show? And yeah, all the comments and questions and concerns. Yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to these questions and hoping that I can answer them or at least have uh, a passable lie. Uh, for an answer for you. Let's do it. All right. So we we kicked off the show with Carrion uh, Cross beating up Danny Birch. Um, this was because he he attempted to murder Oni Lorkin last week, and you know Lorkin Birch BFFs, 
at, at least in uh, similar tights. Uh, that's what they have in common. And I, I actually, here's my first question. Yes. Why did Danny Birch steal Iron Mike Sharp's tights? Was Iron Mike, Iron Mike Sharp? Sharp wearing? Yeah, I remember him. Was For he some wearing reason, tights that have a Union Jack on them? No, uh, they both wear tights that cover their belly button. For some <sighs> reason, they have very, very high-waisted tights. I I did not notice that about uh, uh, Danny Birch. I do recall that about uh, Iron Mike and also okay. the uh, really big uh, elbow pad, too, that he would wear. Question number one, I did not get an answer. Go on. Uh, why does he? Uh, he looks up to Iron Mike uh, both physically and emotionally. Wrong. I would have accepted that they both go to the same Elks Lodge. <laughs> Well, considering Danny or uh, Iron Mike is, I think, dead, that would be difficult. Well, at one point, they went to the same Elks Lodge, Mike. It's the same thing. Gotcha. Um, but that the match happened squash. <laughs> and I threw you for a loop. Yeah, you did. And Keith Lee came out with a binder, and in the binder... I believe uh, it was a contract. I know there was a pen. And uh, he was like, hey, we got to, you get your match. And I'm not going to touch you until this uh, whole match. And Karrion Cross did the, the weirdest signing of a contract. Uh, I also noticed right from the beginning, the point was not out on the pen. So he just kind of air wrote his name in a very elaborate way. And then, gotta say, most fireballs in wrestling are pretty unbelievable. This one was a pretty unbelievable fireball. It was nowhere near Keith Lee's face. It was Uh, also preposterous. Yes. How did they put... So Keith Lee brought this out. Yes. Yet they somehow magicked in a fireball on the spot. It was, this was one of the most preposterous uses of that kind of gimmick that you can possibly imagine. And I'm going to put the fireball thing out of my mind for a second. And I'll go back to that. But I'm going to ask my next question. Why so serious? And I know that's not normally I want wrestlers to be serious, but these guys were very serious. There was a good two minutes of just staring at one another to dead silence that seemed very anticlimactic and the kind of thing you would do in like a student film to show that people are really intense. This seemed like that kind of production. Well, remember, carrying cross tried to kill Keith Lee's Apollo Crews Creed. Uh, <laughs> sorry there. Uh, Freudian slip? I don't know. Uh, so he's, he's mad that uh, Karrion Cross tried to kill his, his BFF. But no, Scarlet had this like long minute and a half stare down with him. It was just staring in silence. Staring that- in silence. Staring in silence. The, the announcers didn't say a word. There's no sound from the audience whatsoever. It's hurt by being that there's no one being, causing a ruckus in the stands. I like some of that eerie nothing. silence. But 
the the moment was too long because you had Scarlet throw that throw the binder back into the ring and it it felt like five minutes that they stared at each other kept on cutting back down to the binder up to each one of them cutting 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 you know Kevin Dunn's favorite thing cuts more cuts um and Th- then it all happened. It, it it seemed very anticlimactic after that. That was not a uh, a very good use of uh, building tension, in my opinion. But yeah, I kind of like the, the eerie sound of no crowd at some points. If it works in in this in this situation, it just did not work. And having the announcers cut out when they could have been explaining this over top of it, going. This man, you know, crippled his best friend and all this kind of stuff. It would have cut some of that if they just need to fill time. It would have cut some of that. It just did not. Somebody getting hospitalized and a stretcher job or something, cutting out the uh, the commentary at times can be a really good thing. But they did this exact same thing when the fireball happened. They just cut commentary completely, and then they forced Keith Lee to stumble around and play act. Yeah. And Keith Lee's very good at what he does as a professional wrestler. He can sell in the ring, but this was a terrible sell job. They kept on him way too long, and they just exposed it as being silly and phony and un- implausible. The entire fireball thing as itself was just, I- I'm fine with a fireball. They could have done this in a different way later on, in a way that it might have made some kind of sense, but... The longer they kept on Keith Lee in stunned silence while we're looking at his face and seeing no ill effects of anything, no blistering, no, I mean, he just looked like a guy stumbling around pawing at his eyes. It, the, the length of that was as painful to watch as Hogan trying to throw a fireball in WCW. Uh, yeah. And if you're going to do that thing, he collapses to the ground. He puts his hands on his face. The EMTs rush out and they cover his face with wet towels. You don't see it. Because if you if you if something happens and there's no scars, there's no remnants, there's nothing to show that something happened, then it looks ridiculous. If you cover him up immediately and rush him out to an ambulance, then okay, we got something. You cut 2 minutes off the segment. The setup is idiotic, but at least the the payoff is believable. So, yeah, this just just this just missed a mark to me across the board. Yeah, uh, I I would agree with that. Um, uh, I'm trying to remember what uh what exactly came next. Uh, Drake Maverick and Killian Dane. <laughs> a, a nothing match that was. Uh, being overshadowed by Keith Lee for the most part. Question. Okay. Why is a cruiserweight fighting one of the largest people on the roster? Uh, Vince McMahon. Is he involved he, in this show? Is he back at Gorilla putting this whole thing together? I just want, Why? I, I want to I wanna throw him under as many okay. buses as I can. Cool. Just no reason to do that. I mean, I know it's a throwaway match that they're going to... They are literally going to throw away when the Undisputed Era comes in and cleans house and all this kind of stuff. But I I, I don't see the—if you're going to have a separate division that competes in this show, 
that respects some kind of version of weight classes, do it. There's just, if Drake Maverick is going in that division, let him fight other cruiserweights. If Killian Dane is a heavyweight, let him fight heavyweights. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I, I would agree with that. It, it, it's just, it's hard for me to say a whole lot when like this was just a, a waste to me. Yeah. Well, what did you think about the undisputed era coming out? Super badass, bro. Super badass, bro. Going to come out and take over again. Yeah. I got beaten up by a punter last week, but. We're still badass, bro. What do you think about all that? Uh, I, I I get the the purpose of it. It's to build, um, but I this this is like Bam Bam and LT to me. I don't care. <laughs> well, no, this isn't like Bam Bam and LT. This is uh, this is like Bam Bam and the backup quarterback for the Giants. Why would you, ha- if you're going to have, <laughs> Lawrence Taylor was an all-pro, Hall of Fame, legitimate badass linebacker who was one of the most feared people at that point in the entire sport of football. This dude is a punter that I've <laughs> never heard of. Lawrence Taylor, as a football player, crossed over in some areas probably to the mainstream. Not all. I don't. I, I, I certainly don't think everybody in America knew who the guy was. But more people knew who Lawrence Taylor was than some guy named Pat. And my question for this segment is, am I supposed to know who this is? And, and am I supposed to care? Uh, I think in WWE's eyes, yes, you are supposed to know who he is and they do expect you to care because they, they, I, in their fractured minds, they believe, Hey, this guy was a professional athlete. He, and all of their fans are professional at are are fans of sports and that he is a now popular sports personality uh through his podcast and his uh work with espn uh and and other sports networks and that he is this crossover star i uh, like i'm I'm different than you. I did know who he is. I knew who he was a little bit for his his career, because um, he was he was a a, a decent punter uh, for <laughs> like all intents and purposes. And I can't believe we're talking about this. <laughs> the guy's credentials to be on a wrestling show and to have a match with Adam Cole, who has been the standard bearer of, bearer of your division, the guy that went up and beat Daniel Bryan, uh, 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 the Survivor Series or whatever it was a year ago. I can't even remember the freaking pay-per-view. The, the qualifications is that this guy was a decent punter and is a radio host. 
you, they bury WCW for having Jay Leno fight. They bury them for having Carl Malone come in. But this nobody, and he's a nobody. I'm not saying in the world of football and uh, radio, but I, there's no mainstream appeal to a person like this. He doesn't matter. He's not going to move the chains, guys, unless he has a physical presence and can beat somebody up. I just, it boggles. I'm trying to think of a professional athlete that I am more, or I am less intimidated by than a punter on the, in the NFL. And I can't think of one. Maybe, maybe synchronized swimmer. Possibly <laughs> those guys have crazy upper body strength. Maybe synchronized swimmer is more intimidating than a random punter that became a radio host. It is unfathomable to me that they are doing this. It does not. If Adam Cole beats this guy, Adam Cole beats some guy. If Adam Cole loses this guy, everybody on the roster can be beaten by a guy who's a radio host. There's nothing to be gained. Uh, there's one way to do this, one way only. Some guy named Pat gets in a argument with uh, a NXT talent. First of all, he doesn't bury him and call him small because Adam Cole is small. Yeah. His biceps are about as big as my biceps and I am not an athlete. He is an incredibly talented professional wrestler, but you do not let someone call out the Achilles heel of one of your big stars, especially when they're a nobody that isn't a wrestler. You have this guy get into a fight don't bury him. And you have some guy named Pat get a wrestler from NXT, someone from the main roster coming down who needs a refresh but is big and strong and can do some work. There's plenty of people on the main roster that could do that. You bring down Kevin Owens. You bring down someone they're not doing anything with right now. And you say, well, I'm obviously not going to fight you because I'm not a wrestler. I don't. I can't step into your world and beat you up because, of course, I can't. But I got a guy who can. And you let him be the second to this person, and you build a feud around that. Anything else kills Adam Cole, kills the Undisputed Era, and just kills the entire concept of your show. I don't have strong feelings about this, Mike. None at all. Uh, with that said, let's move on. Are you sure? I, I want to talk about this. No, go ahead. Unless you have any more questions. <laughs> no, I've already asked my question for that segment. Okay. Uh, what's the next segment that you have a question for? Because next was Santos Escobar against Tyler Breeze. Uh, where did Brizongo get that big stick? Uh, where did Fandango get the big stick? Yes, Fandango, exactly. Uh, I'm going to assume Big Sticks Are Us, uh, their Central Florida location. Perfect. Moving on. Um, so that was a match. And we got a six-man tag match booked off of it for next week. With the only guy who has ever beaten Santos Escobar. And uh, I, I do not Swerve Scott. That's a good that's a good storyline going yeah. on. I love Simple. Santos I love Santos Escobar uh as a character. I like the way they're pushing this group. Uh I think I think it's it's a good storyline. It's not great. It's my favorite thing in the world, but it's very solid. Yeah. 
Um, Mia Yim defeated Indy Hartwell, a person. Okay, back to my questions. Okay. Was I supposed to know that Mia Yim and Keith Lee are in a relationship? Uh, I, I'm going to try to answer this as correctly as possible and say, yes, I do believe we are supposed to know that. And I don't think that this is a terrible lot of fault on NXT uh, because we are just getting we are just getting back into NXT after not watching for a while. And this storyline, I believe, has already been been made uh, and, and talked about. So they are assuming that these are long running people who are are watching who already know this. And anyone who's jumping in now, they only simply need to be told that she is his boy. Uh, she is his girlfriend. So, so you're under the impression that there's been a storyline that has connected them before. Yes, uh, okay. it's my understanding that there has been. Good. Okay. That's that's com- that's completely. Uh, that makes a lot of sense. I just know that I've seen. Multiple times, I mean, an AEW some months back, Britt Baker made a comment about someone else and their boyfriend or girlfriend and didn't mention who it was. And we were supposed to know that. And we're supposed to know. Oh, a big swall. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I also at some point was supposed to know that Britt Baker was a couple with Adam Cole. Like, I I don't keep up with these people when they're not fake fighting in the ring right i I, i'm not doing this you got to tell me so i thought it was one of these situations but okay cool got it okay um bronson reed and damian priest had a match as the only two people officially in the north american championship ladder match and i feel like you have a number of questions at least for this match i thought this was a good match yeah uh, I, I, I wonder, uh, I have a couple questions and I could, uh, we can go tit for tat and I can throw a bunch of them out there, but I'm just going to go with this one. Why did Bronson Reed decide to plant himself face first in a dive off the top rope? Uh, I, I, I believe it was you who mentioned that it might be an Australian thing. Right. Because... When you do like a top rope, like a headbutt, like a Daniel Bryan headbutt, you're supposed to kind of land on your knees and like cushion yourself with your head. But in this situation, he landed on his face and he cushioned his knees on Damian Priest. So yeah. it's, it's, it's it's a it's a it's a uh, Southern Hemisphere thing, is what you're trying to say. They just do it back. Probably most likely. Okay. <laughs> That's a good answer. But, we got this but, down. But for real. Uh, this is a taped show, and that was left in. Uh, Damian Priest obviously did not get out of the way of that move quick enough and took knees to the back uh, and, instead of Bronson Reed missing that splash. They could have just reshot that, but they didn't. Yeah, it didn't bother me so much because sometimes things just get a little bit screwed up. I'm just more worried about Bronson Reed and his face because that didn't look pleasant. Uh, I did come to a realization 
other than the fact that, yes, Damien Priest is in the Interesting Pants Society, which we've talked about before, which is a very important society that fewer and fewer people are in these days, at least fewer that I watch. So that has to be called out. But as I was watching Damien Priest, I thought there is no way that this guy is not going to show up on Raw or SmackDown as a poor man's Chris Angel and be booked in a magician gimmick by Vince McMahon. He tried it with Fantasio. Fantasio. Fantasio? Fantasio? Potato, potato. Uh, Several years ago, and he thought it was good shit, and he's going to make it happen. And then once I thought that, I couldn't stop thinking it. And I just kept thinking he was screaming, is this your card? At every single time he made any of those facial expressions. I don't know if I'll ever be able to get this out of my head. Uh, I swear at one point during that match, I heard him uh, scream mind freak. <laughs> right. So See, it, it's working for you, too. The The uh, subliminal it, notes are, are are strong. It's listen, I like I like both these guys a lot. And I'm I'm in jest here, and I I probably shouldn't be with guys that I actually enjoy what they're doing, and I don't know if it's necessary to have guys that are going to compete in a ladder match, which is already overbooked and too many people involved, too many people involved in this entire thing that have no business being there. I like Oni Larkin. Why he would be given a shot at the North American Championship, I, I don't get it. There's just there was there was superfluous people here. This whole thing could have been pared down very very easy earlier on, but uh, the guys they have in there right now is a lot of up and coming talent, a lot of people that I want to see, and two of them were in this match. Don't like that they had to fight each other and one had to go or the other, but the way they did it, it wasn't a schoolboy. Yeah. It was a flash-style pin, but a strong flash pin. And it worked for what they were trying to do. Don't know if I would have booked it that way, but no one asked me. So, there you go. Yes, I mean, WWE are are notorious for putting people together in matches before the, the match. So, NXT doesn't uh, miss the boat on, on those opportunities as well. But this wasn't a just schmoz of a of a finish just because like what WWE would do have a have a no finish because like neither of these guys can can lose so uh, no finish some interference or double DQ double count out something like that so kudos to NXT for not taking the easy way out but. You know, you just gave me an idea, and this is one thing. Do you remember back? There was this new company called AEW. You remember them? They started last October. Also on Wednesdays, something like that. And in the first episode, they had a time limit draw. And I, I went a second, but first or second episode, whatever. Yeah. They had a time limit draw, and I went, man, time limit draw, two guys head to head. This is a perfect way to to book a wrestling match. We haven't seen it in decades on national television, and this can really, really work. Sports-based wrestling. There's time limits to this kind of thing. They haven't done it since because they went from saying they're sports-based wrestling to we're all comedy, just high spots wrestling. This is the perfect thing for this would be a time limit draw. 
you don't have to have a schmaz. You have a, a definitive, you have a finish to the match. You don't have to have a DQ. Neither one of the guys go over and they both walk away going, yeah, we're going to need to settle this at some other time in the future. Bring back the time limit draw. AEW tried it once. It was perfect for the situation. Never tried it again. NXT, you're a wrestling company. Use that too. Yeah. Watch the network. Just watch the network. There's (laughs) ideas there. Make your writers watch a lot of the network. Yeah, there's uh, you. You don't have to have a match like 1985 to do a finish like 1985. I get it. Yeah. Uh, Mercedes Martinez and Aaliyah beat Casey Cat Cat and Zaro and Caden Carter. And uh, question, Kevin, w- what happened? Say this again. The the Robert Stone brand of Mercedes Martinez and Aaliyah ah, defeated okay. Casey gotcha. Catanzaro gotcha. and Caden Carter. Gotcha. Okay, before I get to my question, I have to I have to mention Mercedes Martinez's music again. I know I mentioned this last week, but they haven't changed it yet, and they've had ample opportunity. By my count, seven days. <laughs> I would call her music terrible. But that would be assuming that what she comes out to is music and not random disconnected noises that were were recorded while walking through downtown Orlando, which is what her quote unquote music sounds like. There were cash registers. There was a vague baseline that seemed to change halfway through it. I think I heard someone come out, call out for their check. This is awful. The percent, the, the, the. Mercedes Martinez looks like a badass. Her presentation is garish. Terrible music, terrible ring gear, which leads me to my actual question. Why does Mercedes Martinez have strange leather collar on her ring attire? Strange and unnecessary, I might add. On the attire, oh, like on uh, the entrance has, attire or on her gear? On her gear. She has really a leather that. collar that could be folded up. Oddly placed. It reminds me of Nia Jax's mud flaps that she has on the side of her gear that just kind of flap around for no reason whatsoever. Why, Mike? Oh, okay. I see what you, I see what you mean there. Yeah, the, it's the, yeah, it's a it's a collar. Does she pop that when she goes out to play golf? What is they 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 produce these people sometimes within an inch of their life, but no one stops them and goes, "Don't wear that. It looks stupid." Uh I, I yeah, I'm I I don't know. Do you see the connection with Nia Jax's gear? She has weird flappy shoulder shoulder pads, weird flappy mud flaps on the side of her hips. Does does do does no one have a mirror in the backstage? Do they not they're, realize they're on television and people see this? They're probably like, "Hey, I'm I'm not paying by the flap uh, with my gear, so uh, just you know, add some add some shit on there, <laughs> add some flaps." Uh, yeah, I um. Uh, I still feel like Mercedes Martinez could be booked stronger. 
I, I think that she sells probably a little bit too much to people that I don't care about. And I think that her presentation really sucks across the board. Um, I loved uh, Shayna Baszler's presentation as a badass fighter. I, other than the goofy ass smiling, I uh, I, I loved um, uh, Ronda Rousey's presentation because she just came with her hair up and gear that looks like you would go to fight somebody with. And I feel like maybe because they've already had that, they had to go more dramatic with Mercedes Martinez. But I think they would do less is more with that character. And uh, speaking of less is more, Shotzi Blackheart came to the ring for a save eventually after uh, Rhea Ripley came out. A lot of stuff happened. But the point is, Shotzi Blackheart came to the ring without a stupid horned helmet and without driving a children's tank. And for the first, lo and behold, for the first time ever, I did not hate seeing her. Maybe I only hate her because she drives out in a children's tank wearing a stupid helmet. It's possible. That's all I'm saying. That, that sounds plausible to me. Yeah. Uh, from your perspective. Uh, did you have any questions about the uh, Gargano uh, household <laughs> promo <laughs> vignette thing? This is where I came up with my questions, full up my whole plan. I have several. I will start with this one. Who shot this footage in the Gargano household? I'm going to keep going. Who did the scary editing? Is Johnny Wrestling looking to become Johnny Post-Production? Is this what I was supposed to take away from this segment? Did this have anything to do with wrestling? Because this is all I took away from the segment. Help me. I'm going to say a few of the answers are Michael Hayes. Okay. Uh, he's the one <laughs> who Hayes shot it. hangs out with the, in the Gargano family. Uh, Michael Hayes had a picture on the wall oh, uh, of their house. Yeah. Uh, when when Johnny was fixing the the light, there was a picture on the wall of Michael Hayes. Oh, okay. Um, so I'm gonna say he's the one who who shot it and edited it, and uh, I don't remember what the other uh, questions were. Uh, who shot it? Who edited it? You said that it was uh, Michael, Michael Hayes. Hayes. Now, by the way, there was more than one camera. So and by and the and the first camera, the camera on Johnny disappeared immediately when the other camera cut in. So I mean, there was there was some at least two people involved in there. Um, is Johnny Wrestling looking to become Johnny Post Production? Yes, he okay. he's he's studying under Michael Hayes on on his production technique. Maybe at full sale. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Is this what I was supposed to be taking away from this segment? Is about questions about the production and who was shooting it? 42% of it, yes. Okay. What else happened in this segment? Because I don't remember. Because all I was thinking about is why are they shooting this this way? Who is doing this? And how is this plausible in any way, shape, or form? Uh, there was a dog in it, too. But was, um, was this about a wrestling angle? Or were they were they doing the this whole house kind of thing? Was he showing us how to change a light bulb? 
Well, is uh, he Bob Vila? More questions, Mike. Questions, questions. They questions. did kind of cut promos. Like uh, Candace kind of cut a promo <laughs> on Tegan Knox. And okay. Johnny Gargano kind of cut a promo on Ridge Holland. Uh, mm. I remember that word being said. Yes. I do. But I thought he, he is a about- person. A person who looks a lot like uh, Cash Wheeler. Uh, in at least his oh, stock footage, that uh, the the stock shot uh, that they use. So here's a thought: next time you do this, don't shoot this like the Pillman's got a gun segment, or Triple H and Randy Orton or whatever it was invading the McMahon household. Uh, shoot this at the arena and cut a fucking promo. This is dumb. It's implausible unless you tell them, listen, we mailed Johnny Johnny Gargano a camera and he decided to make an art film. And now we're (laughs) going to show it for you right now. He wants to be the next Wes Anderson. Unless you tell us that nothing about this makes any kind of sense. And it doesn't make us. It does. I don't care about the angle. I don't care about the match he's in. I'm not kidding you. I did not remember that this was to promote the match with Ridge Holland in the, the next week. Did not remember that because all I was thinking was, how stupid is this? Why did they agree to do this? And who makes these kind of decisions? Uh, I've just gotten some uh, some word here. The second camera was operated by Doc Hendricks. (laughs) (laughs) That's one of your better jokes, Mike. Thank you. Much much props. Um, All right. Main event. The triple threat qualifying match for the U.S. or not U.S. North American Championship ladder match: Kushida, Cameron Grimes, and the returning Velveteen Dream. You have so many questions here. One. One. Oh, okay. Can and you? I please, already know what it is. Can you please explain Kushida's gimmick to me? You have as much time as you need. Um, there's really not much to it other than he was in a tag team with Alex Shelley called the time splitters. And he dressed up like Marty McFly. Did who's Alex Shelley? Uh, he is a, a, a pretty renowned, uh, wrestler, a lot of indie stuff. He was in the early days of TNA, uh, Ring of Honor, not someone uh, New I would Japan. know. Japan, um, he he was uh, Kushida's tag team partner in the most recent uh, Dusty Rhodes. Uh, oh, okay, I classic, didn't, I, but they I, were only in the opening round. They were eliminated. I didn't see that. So, did he also dress as Marty McFly, or was he Doc Brown? Alex Shelley? Yeah, uh, he did not dress as <laughs> anyone. Uh, from the Back to the Future franchise. Okay, so Kushida made the choice to dress as a character from a movie from 1985. Yes. His tag team partner did not. <laughs> Just came out as a wrestler? No, oh, pretty now much. I have Now I have more questions. Man, I just want to dive into this. So, So then they break up, and he's like, I got gold here. And everyone's into hoverboards. 
So I'm going to continue dress like this character from a movie from before most of my fans were born. And that's my gimmick? Yes. I cannot say this with less enthusiasm, but I will try. Cool. Guy's a good wrestler. He's talented. Yes. He's athletic. He's got a lot of stuff going for him, but I don't get it. And when Darby Allen comes out to the credit of AEW, they still say, you know, he's painting his face up because he's half dead. And it's kind of silly, but Darby has great body language. He's a good wrestler. He has an infectious kind of personality. And the commentary still selling him for who he is, I feel like on a weekly basis to new people watching the program. And I feel like you kind of got to do that with a dude coming out dressed as Marty McFly because I don't get it. And it just looks a little ridiculous. That's the end of that conversation because I feel like I can do a whole other podcast about it. Uh, you want to I, I I have looked up some some information to try to see if I can uh, explain this better. And while I found a a Reddit thread, and you know oh, no. Reddit, oh, no. you can you can truly believe this. Uh, the thread is entitled "Why is Kushida the Time Splitter?" I'm wondering. I've seen him do the Marty McFly deal, but why? The number one answer is he's just a big fan. <laughs> uh, the number two <laughs> response is he moves so quick, time can't keep up. That actually kind of makes a little bit of sense, but I don't know the validity of that. Um, and then the next answer has nothing to do with uh, the movie franchise and name, but I do like the answer because he dodges bullets, Avi. Uh, I would like he's a big fan of Spin City. Was was Michael J. Fox on that? I feel like he was. Yes. Or was that David Spade? I don't know. But I feel like that would be a good answer as well. Um, Velveteen Dream came back. Yes. I know he was gone. There were some allegations against him, I believe. Wasn't there something going on with that, with Velveteen? Uh, not to go down that rabbit hole, but I'm just just wondering. I think he was named in some of that. If he wasn't, I completely apologize. But I know that there were a lot of names that were brought up in some of those most recent allegations of uh, sexual misconduct. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I, I, I feel like I recall that. Again, if it wasn't, my bad. I'm going to admit something to you about Velveteen Dream. Okay. All that kind of stuff aside, when we were watching NXT religiously and he was kind of coming into his own as a performer in the ring and with his gimmick, I was really into the guy. I thought that he put on some incredible matches athletically, physically, body language. I mean, he's got all the tools. And when I saw him on this episode, I went, oh, he's still kind of robotic and doing a lot of stuff. 
And I mean like all the arm movements and gesticulation in the ring. And it's just, it seems like more gimmick. It's all, all show and no go. Not that he can't go in the ring. He's not athletic. But I felt like he would be maturing as a competitor. And one match after not seeing him in a long time. But it didn't seem like it. It seemed like a lot of a lot of window dressing without a lot of in-ring stuff. And it was a triple threat match. And I don't want to look too far into it. But I was real. I was, oh, man, I fucking love this guy. And then I went, oh, kind of the same shtick. See, I I thought that uh, his look kind of seemed phoned in for uh, what I've come to expect from Velveteen Dream. He was just wearing a T-shirt and a do-rag and plain purple tights. I mean, not plain, 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 but like... We've seen Dream have some amazing tights. Yeah, but that's, those, those are for those takeover are, events and yeah. stuff like that. I, I was just more about like he did so much stuff on the stage and then so much stuff when he got in the ring and then so much stuff on the ropes. It just seemed like it was just I get so I feel like now people that get in the wrestling business, they sit back and go, OK, what's the thing I'm going to do on the stage? With my arms that no one's done before. Randy I don't know goes what to up, do with my arms. Yeah. Randy goes up with his right hand a little bit higher than his left. So I'll go up my left hand a little bit higher than the right. So now that's my thing. Like, uh, you know, Stone Cold did his fists forward and this person did him backwards. And now I'll do mine sideways or I'll wave my arms to the right. I, I, like everyone has to have that thing that they do. And then they have to have the thing they do when they get in the ring. And it's got to be different from the thing that they do on the stage. And I feel like Velveteen Dream has a little bit of that syndrome is that it's just so much stuff to do that isn't involved in actual wrestling. But I like seeing him. I think Kashida's talented. Cameron Grimes looks like he smells really, really bad, <laughs> which I think is a good thing because he's a heel. But stay away from that hat. Just stay away from that hat. I've heard things. Yeah. I've heard uh, things. I thought this was a fine main event. My big problem here to revisit something I said earlier on is that all these triple threat matches to fill spots for a ladder match. It's just too much. There shouldn't be this many people that are getting a shot to have a shot for your North American championship. Six singles matches that get six people for a ladder match. Okay. If it would have been a perfect world for me, it would have been four singles matches. Each one of those resulting in one person, four people in a ladder match is plenty for a ladder match. And it would have been so much better. And you could have trimmed some of the fat off there. I just think it's just too much, too many people, and just not necessary. I get that, and that that's a thing that you've you've always been pretty adamant about. the The aftermath of this match was weird to me. So, 
because Dream was not involved in the decision, he f- is facing Finn next week. But before his stare down with Finn, he beat up Kushida, effectively turning heel yep. in order to face a heel. Well, that that's another big problem where I don't think that a heel versus heel match is a terrible thing. I don't think babyface versus babyface baby face is, a, is a terrible thing when they're set up properly. If you're going to throw them into a lottery, I mean, I don't know anything about uh, the cat that Johnny Gargano is facing in this match, but it seems like those are two heels too. Yeah. I, I mean, uh, if, I, if for, I, at least from the, from the perspective I see, yeah. I so don't know anything about Rich Holland. Two heel versus heel matches to get into this ma- to get into this thing. I think for the the purpose of TV, it doesn't make a lot of sense. I I I. This is another thing. I'd be fine if one of these were that because listen, this is this wasn't booked by somebody in an office. This is how it actually happened, and these two guys ended up put together. But to have it. To have Velveteen turn heel just to do this seems silly. If you're going to turn Velveteen heel, turn him heel after the Balor match. Yeah, like give us a babyface versus heel match. I, it seems short sighted and a little bit silly, but I mean, I I, I haven't seen Velveteen Velveteen Dream in a long time, so maybe him as a heel would be really really good. I feel like he's been a babyface, as you're saying. He's been turned, so he had to start off as a babyface. But I just think the whole thing is a little bit too contrived. Too many cooks, too many bodies, too many superfluous people. If we had right now, going into this match, you had Bronson Reed and Damian Priest. They have some personal issues right now that happened in a parking lot. Cool. They go to a time limit draw on an episode of NXT two weeks before the pay-per-view. So they've got some personal issues going on. They're both kind of baby faces at this point. And then you throw in, I don't know, let's say Finn Balor and Johnny Gargano. Two heels. Smaller heels, but incredible wrestlers, great workers, guys that can bump around like crazy. And you throw these two standard bearers in with these two young upstarts and then you have some kind of thing where Bronson Reed and Damian Priest have to team together to take these two out to then go mano a mano to go for that title. There's so many stories you can tell here. You don't have to, to muck it all up by having extra people thrown into the, to the equation. It just seems like you're, if you're trying to get everybody over by putting them all in this match, I don't think anyone actually gets over. I think if you tell a more focused story with four people, you could have Reed and Priest be elevated. You could have Gargano and and uh, Finn get these people over, maybe spin them off in their own feud, maybe turn one of them babyface after the feud because they got pissed off at each other. I mean, there's, there's so many possibilities. But no, they go with, we're going to have six people. It's going to be car crash. A lot of people are going to have to sleep on the outside while other people do stuff in the ring. And it's going to be a bunch of muckety-muck. 
Muffly buck? Muckety muck. Muckety muck. Muffly buck. Buckety muck. <laughs> who, who are the other people in the match right now? Uh, right, uh, now. V- right now, it is just Bronson Reed, Damian Priest, and Cameron Grimes. Cameron Grimes. And they, they'll fill the other two with those singles matches next week. Gotcha. But do you see, like, if yeah. you, or even Cameron, put Cameron Grimes in there and then throw Gargano or uh, or Finn in there as well. Four people, two heels, two baby faces, focus thing. Three of them are kind of up and comers, and one of, them's, one of them's a veteran. And maybe the veteran, Gargano or Finn, turns baby face afterwards to feud with Cameron Grimes. They already have history. They've already worked together before. Uh, it just—it just seems like there's more. You can do more when you have less to worry about. Yeah. So that's uh, that was NXT. See, and uh, just from uh, taking a quick look over at uh, what was going on on AEW, um, here's here's my just skimming through the show uh recap uh orange cassidy beat chris jericho doesn't owe him seven thousand dollars um the uh ftr beat up the rock and roll express in a uh promo thing talking about tag teams tag team appreciation night yeah uh omega and page retained against uh, Jurassic Express Cody retained against Scorpio Sky uh, Brody Lee challenged him for a title match next week uh, Matt Hardy is after the chair shot from or whatever shot from uh, uh, Sammy Guevara last week oh being put through a table or whatever it was he uh, no longer has any control over his gimmicks and he goes in and out of his personas. Uh, so yes, he they, is a crazy th- person. I thought they were going, what, what's the difference from the Super Bowl shuffle or whatever the fuck they did on the, on the, on the football field. That's the same thing. They were supposed to go more serious with him and now they decided to revert back to nonsense. Yeah. Oh, God. Uh, and oh, and uh, apparently Mike Kyoto works for AEW now because he he was okay. uh, Jericho's pick for the referee uh, well, for their match. Good for, that he, good for Mike Kyoto. Yeah. I cannot believe you had let Orange Cassidy beat Chris Jericho. Scorpio Sky is the exact kind of person who should be fighting Cody Rhodes for the title because he works for the fucking company and we know who he is uh brody lee challenging uh, keep the dark order away from cody please uh, keep the dark order off television also a good idea uh ftr beating up the rock and roll express they're heels they came in as heels i like them as heels they beat up the rock and roll express good I don't know where that's going to. I didn't see the segment, but it sounds like a good move to me. Yeah. And it, and it was it I guess pissed off uh the 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 Bucks and pissed off Omega. Um 
page apparently was nondescript. Uh, <laughs> no, dude, I'm telling if they're t- if they're telling a long term story, and they give us a heel stable with Paige, FTR, and Cody as a heel, I will, I will really like where that goes. As long as they try to make them heels, not cool heels, badass, take no prisoners, we're going to piss you off heels, would be an amazing thing. I, yeah. I just, I just I like those prospects. Um, I am looking up on my phone computer. I just want to ask you, do you, are you keeping up at, at all with the... Rundowns from Raw, SmackDown, anything these days? I read Raw's rundown this week, uh, mm-hmm. but that was that was it. Uh, I hadn't looked at them in probably a couple weeks, or actually no, in a week. Uh, I have not read a SmackDown recap in a very long time. So you know that, that there's a new faction. Yes. That are retribution. All caps, bro. Yes. All caps. I'm sorry. Retribution! (laughs) That are cutting ring ropes with chainsaws and basically doing minor damage to the sets. And by the way, while they're doing this, the commentary is putting them over like crazy. They're not saying, get these people out of here, call the police. They're going, this is retribution. (laughs) Ridiculous. This is the, <laughs> these are the ideas of a dying company. This is what it seems like to me. And you pair that with Raw Underground? <laughs> if, <laughs> you know what, actually, Kushida aping a movie from 1985, pretty bad. Pretty bad. Maybe it's worse than the WWE aping Fight Club. Both terrible, but they're dancing girls in cages and Shane McMahon's involved, so go away. And I cannot think of anything stupider, literally, in the world of professional wrestling than saying, hey, I know you guys know that this wrestling stuff's all a bunch of bullshit. We got ninjas and poisoning and... Just a bunch of gaga bullshit. But we're going to do this underground thing. It's going to be some real shit. Fighting for real, guys. And then putting it on the show with ninjas poisoning people and whatever other nonsense that they're doing and retribution coming in to cut ropes with chainsaws. This is Kitchen Sink our show sucks. Nothing. We are creatively bankrupt. We are going to do a bunch of stuff that a group of 10 panelists thought was a really, really good idea. Uh, man, am I glad that we're not watching this show anymore. <laughs> I can see no value in this. Uh, when I've heard about these things, it, in, a, in the past, I would go, I just got to see this. I got to see a car crash or maybe there's some value in this that other people are missing. I have stayed so far away from this and go, I 
guess the company will be out of business in six months <laughs> because this is terrible. And and from apparently the lengths that they are going to keep secret who the members are by having other people jump in and play the role of these characters like they are acting like this is the most important thing we will ever do we need to keep this a secret that no they they don't know what the fuck they're doing they don't know who the and and who could it possibly be two questions actually who could it be realistically and who could it be that could actually make you interested in this? Because, I'll let you answer, because there are no other companies to steal talent from. We can't grab Sting and Lex Luger and Ric Flair from WCW or actually, you know, marketable talents. All you can do is grab people from NXT, lower card people from Raw and SmackDown. So, Who? Who could they actually get and who will they get? And is there anybody that would make you care about this? More questions. So you're right that this is more than likely uh, people from NXT who like just don't have that name power to really draw in and make this a big deal. Lower card guys, same thing. The only the only viable name that I think that they could have in there to really help them is Roman Reigns. Uh, and I don't think that that's uh, going to be uh, a name in that group w- that will make me care. Roman won't. I'll throw it out there. CM Punk would make me care a little bit, but that's not okay. going to be a thing. Okay. You know what? I, I like where your head's at. Who it's going to be is, I've heard rumors about Tomasa Ciampa, uh, Dominic Dijakovic, talented guys, but people who are exposed to half the audience of your normal show on a regular basis. So half the people won't really know who they are or really be it. Okay, they'll know who they are. They will not be invested in them at all. It's not Hall and Nash jumping to WCW, right? So you're going to have that. Or you're going to take your established talent, some of which have been exposed, but no one's a real star. No one on this entire show is a real star. Not in the eyes of the, the main public, not in a dial turning way. Like we saw fucking dials on TVs. Uh, there really isn't anybody. CM Punk, yes. CM Punk would be a actual get that might get people to tune back in. But <laughs> let's say probably not going to happen. A group of disgruntled WWE people, maybe some that got fired. Rusev? Uh, who else was let go in that? Uh, Anderson and Gallows, now they signed with TNA, I believe. Yeah. And even that not big enough stars, maybe as underlings. Uh, maybe Roman Reigns leading a group of people because he was shunned because he uh, in, went and locked down for COVID and he brings in Rusev. He's Alexander Rusev again and a baby face now for some reason. And you bring in Anderson and Gallows or a team like that that was let go but brought back. 
even then, those are the best names you've got other than CM Punk. Does that matter? We've seen these guys so much. Unless you push them as monsters. And then, who are they fighting? The establishment? Yeah. The authority? Are, so are they the entire group baby faces or are they heels? So who's going to fight them? A whole group of baby faces or a whole group of heels? It's so short-sighted. It doesn't work. It won't work. It's grasping at straws. And the fact that they're debuting this whole angle at the, whole, at the same time as this raw underground nonsense shows desperation like you wouldn't believe. Yeah. One hundred percent. And I just have to say, because I haven't been able to say it in a long time, because he did. Shane McMahon. Go away. (laughs) Just go away. I don't miss saying that. Just don't punch people because you don't know how to throw a punch. Don't announce things. There's nothing believe. Don't wrestle. Just go away. Last please. Yes. Happy to talk about that because I've been seeing this over the last couple of weeks and I was just like, oh my God, what's, this is just insane. Yeah, I, I, I knew that this, when I was reading it, like, they think that this is a big deal. They think that they are are really creating something new and interesting with this uh, and that they have lightning in a bottle. Uh, instead, it's just a lightning bug and it dies in that bottle. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. That I've, and you know, someone would argue like, "Hey, it made you read into uh, WWE a bit more." Like, yeah, but as you said, sometimes car crashes make you look, make you read, and but it didn't make us watch. It yes, it did not make <laughs> us watch, <laughs> and that's the big problem. Uh, no interest, guys. Nothing. Yeah. All right. Um, anything else you want to touch on here? I think my question asking concept for this worked really well. I came up with one question for every single segment. <laughs> you didn't answer a lot of them. I think I did. Okay, you answered a lot of them. But I don't know if I was satisfied in all your answers. Uh, we'll have That's tr- not my problem. We'll have to try this again. But, you know... Kevin asks questions like that should be like a thing that we do, and then we. Like, I'll work put our on the theme like song there. Yeah, for it. the little jingle. A jingle. Um. All right. So uh, thanks everyone for joining us. Uh, be sure to tune in next week where I probably won't have a jingle uh, queued up for that. Um, AEW next week. Well, yeah, we'll watch AEW next week. Okay. Even oh, even though it is a kind of it is a go home to take over, we'll figure that out. I think we should still flip back and forth. I, I, I honestly, 
We'll flip back and forth then. We'll at, uh, at, at no point during this, I, I did not think this was, this was a good episode of TV. I didn't think it was enthralling. I thought it was, what did I call it during a text message change, exchange? A bologna, a bologna sandwich. sandwich. No matter how much you hype up a bologna sandwich, it's still a fucking bologna sandwich. This was a bologna sandwich. That it was. Didn't make me want to stick around. <laughs> Poor bologna sandwich. Uh, yeah, so we'll uh, be back here talking about AEW next week. And we'll talk about some NXT probably too. And SummerSlam? Eh, probably not. <laughs> uh, no. In the meantime, thank you everyone once again. For Kevin, my name's Mike. We'll catch you next week. Good night. Good wrestling.